last year when we had Reformation Sunday, all of the um, ex-Lutherans, uh, of which there are a few in our congregation, said, you forgot Reformation Sunday. So we're not doing that this year. We have a beautiful picture of Martin Luther on the front of the bulletin. But also I wanted to remind you of something. Talk about getting rid of the rules. Faith alone, scripture alone, grace alone. That's the core of what we believe. And there is one statement that is said, which is the foundation for every single confession and creed that we have. And it is Jesus Christ is Lord. And also, you cannot say that. No one can say that except by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, and it's not magical, but it sure is mystical. So I'm asking you now to say in honor of our Reformed tradition, Jesus Christ is Lord. Please say it loudly. Jesus Christ is Lord. Let us pray. Lord God, I pray for um, all of us who are feeling kind of sick today, that you would um, allow the worship and you to come through. I pray, dear Lord, that um, what we just said cuts through everything, the secular, the mundane, the Jesus Christ is Lord, is what sets us apart from everything else. Please help us as we look at the best, the greatest, the commandment the commandment that wraps it all up upon which everything is hinged. And I pray most earnestly that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable to you, for you are our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. God really is at work. God is at work repairing and redeeming and healing. And at the moment and it, in that instant that you actually let him in, and gave him residence in your soul, he began the work of redemption and empowerment. And we, as his community, he is with us, and he works with us as individuals, and he works with us in the community. And when we say Jesus Christ is Lord, the earth does move a little bit on its axis. It is the defining statement that is the base confession upon which all of our confessions are built. And it is not possible to say Jesus Christ is Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit. Today's passage, what I just read, reveals how we are to live as God's people, the ones who say Jesus Christ is Lord. So the passage begins, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. They're always talking about Sadducees and especially about Pharisees. But I want to tell you a brief thing about the Sadducees, the learned religious leaders. And this is what I learned in Sunday school years ago. The Sadducees were sad, you see, because they did not believe in the resurrection, or to put it in a more bleak way, they believed in the finality of death, and that would make you sad. And Jesus, who has no untruth in him, silenced them with the words, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Hearing that, 
Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the other main group of learned religious leaders got together. And this is the group that Jesus rails against constantly for very good reason. These were the ones who truly believed that they were superior beings, closer to God, in fact, because they were dedicated to rules. The Jewish law, the commandments, we know about the basic ten but there are 613 commandments in the Old Testament, a lot of them having to do with dietary laws and sacrificial procedures. They prided themselves in this knowledge. And they used the law as a basis to judge people and to spiritually enslave people. The Pharisees got together and I don't know if they got together to really test Jesus or to really show up the Sadducees. It's sort of unclear. But one of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with the question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, with your emotion, your spirit, your intellect. This is the first and greatest, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything hinges on this. This was their rudimentary prayer. The first part of that is the Shema. Hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The revelation is this. All the rules, all 613 deadly sacrificial laws, were no longer necessary. And this is the whole thing about Reformation Sunday today. Those rules, following rules, those were a love gift at one time in our history to care for and protect the people, to preserve life. But with Christ, it's not so much about rules anymore because now we see receive the great commandment with new appreciation because we actually have his help to do this impossible loving that we are actually required to do. Love the Lord your God with heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbors. That's inevitable. How do we love a God that we do not know? How do we love in a vacuum? We have got to embrace some of the things that we know about God among them that God gave us himself in Christ and lived among us in our world. That alone is reason to love him. But of all the things that God gave, there is one gift that surpasses everything, that trumps everything, that, is, that opens the floodgates of our love for him, and that is forgiveness. I don't think you can talk about loving God without understanding forgiveness. Forgiveness is the love act of love acts, and it makes sense to no one except lovers of God. Our human way is retribution. God's way is forgiveness. Of course, for forgiveness to have any meaning, we must know that it is necessary for us to be forgiven. There must be an awareness of our own frailty, an awareness of our own sin. I've told you this example before, but 
when I was first starting out in ministry, about 30 years ago now, there was a lady in our congregation who came to me to complain about the bulletin. And she says, why do we have this prayer of confession week after week after week? And she says, I don't sin. This thing is for sinners. I am not a sinner. And I fantasized about writing a letter to her. And I fantasized that I would say in the letter, have you never misdirected your anger? Have you never judged another person? Have you never thought that your way was the right and only way? And so on and so on. And then I was going to end with, have you never withheld forgiveness from someone? But I didn't write the letter because the Holy Spirit teaches a person about their own inner life. And somehow the Holy Spirit wouldn't be in that letter. My issues, mine, would be in that letter. And I realized I had to forgive her. <laughs> she is who she is. I had to forgive her. Just because she didn't understand that she was a sinner, I had to forgive her. And then forgive myself for getting onto this rampage. That's how it works. Forgiveness is woven throughout everything. We forgive ourselves. We forgive them. We forgive God at times because we don't understand his ways. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin in order that we can be forgiven, and I mean totally forgiven by Christ. In that instant that we turn to him, in that instant, we are forgiven. And here's the thing. Please remember this, because it's taken me a long time to really let this in. Unlike human beings, he not only forgives, but Jesus Christ forgets. Our God forgets. How can this be? He is omniscient. He knows everything. His knowledge is without ceasing. It is a love gift to us. And when it says in Scripture, as far as the east is from the west, you know those things that we all have if we're human and if we have any inner life knowledge at all? We realize there's something that I did maybe once or twice that was kind of the deal breaker. Something that I'm going to have to account for someday. With Jesus Christ, when we have come to him and asked for forgiveness, it's gone. Totally and completely gone. So now is this enough to love God? <sighs> all things. God endures all things. He believes all things. He bears all things. That's right out of 1 Corinthians. That's agape God love. So that part of us that is world-weary and may be cynical, he doesn't hold that against us because our best selves love him and our best selves don't want to be cynical anymore. And we have asked him for forgiveness. That is why in our Reformed worship service, we have stuck, everything in your bulletin is pretty much based on Calvin's Geneva. A lot of Presbyterian churches have just sort of gotten rid of the liturgy. 
we're kind of committed to it. In fact, it's a stance that we take. We have five prayers of confession that were written in 1633. They've been kind of updated with the language, but the basic content, 1633, we have not rewritten them because we don't need to. Also, there is something about generation after generation after generation in the great clouds of witnesses saying these same prayers with us. And there's something about our future that is linked in with our ability to confess sin. No matter what we've thought and done with Jesus Christ, it is forgivable. My first rush, my first rush of real love for God came through when I knew this. Love with your heart, love with your soul, love with your mind. That's really not possible. But with Christ, it is so much more possible because we know what he did in his love for us. And he invites us to, to offer a variety of love expressions. Emotional love has its place. I remember my grandmother saying to me with tears in her eyes, I love the Lord. When I was a little kid, and I would think, what is she crying about? Why would the statement, I love the Lord, make her tear up? But I tell you, when I was trying in my 20s to deny the existence of Christ and to dismiss him, that's the one thing I could never forget. My grandmother, the Scandinavian stoic woman who was not emotional, would cry when she said, I love the Lord. There must have been a reason for that. To love with our soul, spirit, the Holy Spirit is what gives us the quickening. It's not exactly emotion, but that sense about what is true. The Holy Spirit pierces our heart, and when we are filled with him, a door of understanding opens. The Holy Spirit is what allows us to say, prompts us to say, Jesus Christ is Lord, and to ask for forgiveness, and bigger yet, receive forgiveness. The soul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, seeks truth about God, and Scripture comes alive. And he has given us a mind and intellect, and Reformed tradition people are really into this. Integrate your intellect. Learn. Study. The historical church has a prayer as part of its liturgy, asking God to hold the intellect captive to the Holy Spirit. Because intellect, without the Holy Spirit's guidance and integration, goes elsewhere, away from God. Intellect, harnessed by God, actually shows his love. The truth is we must love God because he first loved us. And his love breathes eternal life into us. And he forgives us so we can forgive ourselves and others. The interrelatedness of all of this, when we love God, we have to love each other. Loving God increases our awareness about him. We start by loving him and he gives us the information we need, like why to love him. And once we start learning about God, we have to look at ourselves and we become self-aware. And self-awareness does lead to tolerance and love because we criticize others about what we don't like about ourselves. So self-acceptance through Christ allows us to be lovers, to treat them as we want to be treated. Loving God, thinking about him, honoring him, emulating Christ's way. Forgive them. It's the test. Can we forgive them, whoever they are in our lives and ourselves? 
there are people who have caused great pain and every person here has to be if you are a person who's in relationship with people there has been something that caused great pain the world will say that we can ask for forgiveness but we don't forget do you know that there are actual circumstances in my life where they were no i know that they were painful but the holy spirit actually removed it and i forgot and i am not alone with the holy spirit you can be moved you can be let go and let go to the point where it is gone there is a god that we actually want to please and there are people we want to please and this is different from what you've been hearing me say forever about how often the misspent energy and corrosive effect of wanting to please everyone and the need for everyone's approval we want the approval of those who love god with heart soul and mind we are connected we can let go of the need for approval from those we think could hurt us love of god takes fear right out of the mix with loving god completely the holy spirit fills us and we see humanity in a much different way there was a doctor a missionary being treated for who treated Ebola patients and he was being interviewed and he said that he was asking these african sick people and he came to one man and said who are you and the man said i'm nobody jesus died because he is somebody we love our neighbors because jesus died for every single one of us let us pray You are our Lord and we love you. Please help us to realize how all of this is so interrelated that it's even a tortured way of analyzing scripture to even think of loving our neighbors as separate from loving God. They are one and the same thing. Help each one of us to see the extraordinary way that God loves us so we can respond. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen. And let us continue in the giving of our offering.